Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is uh, episode number 71. I've never said the episode numbers before, but maybe I'll start now. Um, my guest today on Behind the Movement is Keenan Dinkelman, and I'm excited to share this uh, conversation with you. Um, I will make my announcements short and sweet, as I, as I always try to do. Um, we have a, a, a number of infinite play events coming up between now and the end of the year. Uh, this weekend, um, we're actually in Amsterdam, and we, we decided to um, uh, organize with the Crazy Monkey Movement here in Amsterdam and, and put together a, a last-minute jam. Um, so it'll just be a two-hour jam tomorrow, which is Saturday, October 16th. So if you're anywhere near uh, Amsterdam, you can meet us at Crazy Monkey um, just before 11 a.m. tomorrow. And then we'll uh, we'll meet up there and go to a park and we'll we'll do some infinite play for a couple hours. Um, I'm really excited about it and I really appreciate Crazy Monkey um, making us feel welcome. So I think we'll have a really fun time. And then next weekend, the following weekend, uh, the 23rd and the 24th, um, I'll be doing a two-day uh, infinite play exploration. Uh, in Paris, and that's being hosted by Movement Practice Paris. Uh, also really excited about it. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really fun group. So if you're anywhere near Paris, I would love to see you there. <clears throat> and then coming up in November, we'll be back in the United States um, on November 6th and 7th. I'll be doing Infinite Play in Boulder, Colorado, and that's hosted by Block 1750. And then uh, the 13th and 14th, we'll be back in Brooklyn uh, for a two-day event. Um, yeah, so a lot, a lot to look forward to. And uh, all the information for, for all of these um, to get you to the links to the, the different hosts and stuff, you can just go to my website, kylefincham.com. Go to the Infinite Play page, and at the very top, it's just all the... The links for the different events so you can uh, check that out there i would love to see you there um yeah it's been a really fun ride so far this past weekend we were in milan hosted by natked movement and we did a two-day event and it was really wonderful uh um a really special couple of days so i just want to uh, send a big thank you to everybody at natked um to jean luca for helping organize and christina and everybody in the in the Natkid family who was so warm and welcoming to us and, and yeah, it was really wonderful. Uh, some nice big hugs at the end of the event. So I can't wait to see you all again. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. So much fun. Um, yeah, those are my announcements. Oh, one last thing uh, I forgot to mention last week. I put up a blog last uh, a couple weeks ago on my website. It's called You Are Enough. And uh, it's been nice to get some, some really, I don't know, thoughtful responses and feedback to it. So I just wanted to, to let people know that it's available, it's out there. Um, I think it's a message worth sharing, and it was inspired by my conversation um, on the podcast here with Almog Loven. Um, so yeah, 
you can check that out also at my website. As I said, my podcast today is with Keenan Dinkelman. Um, we actually crossed paths very quickly in Portugal a number of weeks back. Uh, we were we were just about to depart, and he was just arriving to do a workshop um, uh, at uh, Movement Lisboa, and we got together and we managed to have have some coffee. That uh, Tiago, who I also had on the podcast, who who organized both of our events, um, invited us to, and then um, Tiago had to run off to uh, get a class going, and Keenan and I got to sit and chat a little bit more. And um, yeah, just the nicest guy with a really uh, uh, great story. Um, so I thought it'd be really nice to get to have him on and continue the conversation here. Um, <clears throat> if you're not familiar with Keenan's work, uh, let me give you a little bit of his background. Um, Keenan grew up in Passau, Germany and graduated from Artes School of Dance Arnhem with a BA of Performing Arts and completed the SEED postgraduate program Body Project directed by Susan Quinn. Um, uh, as a freelancer, he's toured with various companies and worked with um, various choreographers, um, including people who I've had here on the podcast like Josef Rusek and Marion Sparber. Um, from 2015 till 2017, he joined the dance company Stad Theater Bielfeld, and he's worked as a guest teacher at various schools and companies. He also tours his flow acrobatics workshop in Europe and offers online training programs and online coaching in flow acrobatics. And as a choreographer, Keenan created the piece Astral, which was premiered in Sofia, Bulgaria, with further shows in Dock 11, Berlin, and Arnhem, Netherlands. As I said, uh, or as I say at the end of this podcast, um, I really look forward to, to, to getting to take one of Keenan's workshops in the future because, um, yeah, I'm fascinated by what he's doing, and yeah, I really... Um, dig his uh his mindset and his approach so i won't waste any more time here it is my podcast and conversation with keenan dinkelman gonna be like are you gonna be dancing or creating or just kind of really taking a break overall um so first i will take a break i think um um yeah because i need this after the long workshop tour i had in the summer and um, just to revitalize my body and my mind and to uh, just recharge in a way, you know, to um, let things settle down. And then from there on, I can start moving again and organize things. Um, and also, I want to prepare for my next bigger job, which is um, dancing in the theater in Bielefeld. I will be there um, as a dancer again. So that's very exciting mm. because the last two years I was mainly focusing on teaching, actually. And um, this opportunity came up and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, to really um, be in my own body again, focus on my skills and my dancing and not on the movements of my students, you know, and the development of my students also. Yeah. But um, yeah, it will be an intense period of three months where I can really immerse myself into dancing and the stage and 
being with other dancers on stage and in the rehearsal room, getting inspiration from the choreographer. I think that's going to be great. Nice. So this will be something that is a, a project that's organized by a, another company and then you'll be and you're hired by them to participate. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was dancing in this company already for two years from 2015 to 2017. And um, now he asked me back to be a guest because I left the company um, because I wanted to create my own practice and I wanted to do my own projects, but I actually like the work, you know, it's not that I don't like the theater. Or I don't like the, the work from the choreographer, Simone Sandroni, but um, I needed more time for myself. And this is the perfect mix now where I can come as a guest for a few months. And after that, I will just go on teaching and doing my own practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I can be a dancer. So um, yeah, that's for me, it's perfect. I'm curious because you're, you, you, you know, you do so much teaching and I'm sure there are ways that you can't articulate this, but in the ways that you can, what, in what ways does it feed your, your professional life, your performance life, like going off and teaching and, and sharing information with people and then kind of returning back to like the artistic space? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, yeah, I think especially in the beginning, um, when I started to teach, I become much more clean in my movements and, and in my approaches. But now that I'm teaching like since four years or so, um, I need to be careful to not only um, repeat the same things uh, which I'm teaching, you know, um, because I know them already and they're already sort of clear. And um, so I need to find things which are also still new a little bit uh, to myself. So I can still explore as a teacher and develop as a teacher. Um, because otherwise I feel there is a, a trap of like only teaching and at some point you're not becoming more clear and you're only repeating yourself and then you're not developing as a teacher and also not developing as a dancer. So, um, I mean, many people always say like, yeah, you get best, better as a dancer uh, when you teach, but n- not always, you know, like you need to make sure that uh, you do the right things, I think. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you're just going to repeat yourself. And um, yeah, what, what got better is, Mm. yeah definitely um, movement qualities become more defined I would say you know like as a dancer often you can just improvise and um, it can look interesting but you don't really know what exactly you're working on and then when you um, are teaching improvisation you need to be clear on what frame you operate in and like which um, focus points you have And, uh, and like this you also can apply this then as a dancer I think Mm-hmm. This is one uh, aspect I would say, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, sp- I spoke to somebody um, y- way back when I first started the podcast who does jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And he said that he started teaching immediately as quick as he could when he was like a purple belt because he knew that it would improve his jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And in ways that he couldn't necessarily explain because, but he just knew that having to kind of take people through it would kind of like, just restructure his brain around craft yeah no definitely for sure i think also the more you spend on a certain craft the better you get of course and i know for example that uh, john danaher and the death squad or wait what's the name of the squad they have yeah like they're yeah, very famous squad. yes uh, they practice like seven days a week right so and they say like they don't have a rest day and even on when they're tired they still want to think about it you know think about the material and maybe a uh, roll easy and stuff 
um, but to just keep uh, occupying the mind with the craft you want to learn. So when you teach, of course, you also do more of that. Um, but I don't know. I also know teachers who teach so much that then they're not dancers anymore, you know, and they're teachers and um, they somehow lose their skills and they um, also for the network. Like if you teach a lot, at some point you will be the teacher. You will not be the dancer anymore and you will not get uh, so many offers anymore, I think, as a dancer because um, it's different. I mean, I feel it when I, when I had now the teaching tour in the summer, like my skills, they diminish a little bit. Like my, I'm a little bit more out of shape. Um, it's just not the same as if I would train only for myself. You know, I think, I think there's a difference. But of course, they complement each other a lot and it's very beneficial. To for dance also to teach, but you need to think about how to do that. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I no, I noticed that. I mean, a couple of things. I mean, when you said that you don't feel like uh, you, you you after like kind of touring, you don't feel like you're in the same shape as you were before. Mm -hmm. Now that I've been like out for like the last two months, kind of moving through Europe teaching, I was just thinking it today. I was just like, huh, like. I don't feel as, uh, I don't know, as robust as I was in the summer Yes. right before yes. I left. It's almost like I had to like rev up to do this and then we'll get through it. And then I'll kind of like rebuild because there's just so much, like the time is so scattered and it's, you're running from one place to the other. There's, the sleep mm. isn't the best. I remember when we spoke in Portugal, that's why you were saying, you were like, oh, like I know how to, I need to build in the rest or I don't like have mm. to keep going. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and also if you travel a lot, I mean, your your rhythm and your, let's say if you have rituals, maybe it's more difficult to keep them. Um, yeah, it's another focus. Somehow you you get a lot of inspiration and input, but yeah, to to keep a steady training, I think it's a little bit more difficult when you, when you travel a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but where are you at the moment? In Milan or? No, we are, we just got to Amsterdam to yesterday. And we mm. were in Milan for a week, which was really amazing. Um, yeah, so we're here for a week and then we'll go to Paris and I'll do one more event in Paris before we go back to the United States and we'll do two workshops and then kind of like you will be done until like, uh, you know, sometime next year. Okay, nice. Yeah. yeah, when you have the chance in Amsterdam, you could visit a Crazy Monkey Studios. They're really cool. Yeah. Um, like a really great movement. Um studio and facility where you can practice and uh, meet great teachers um yeah i have been teaching there in the summer and i really enjoyed to be there yeah i, I spoke to to thomas just the other day i'm gonna i'm gonna try to swing by there um yeah i'm a i'm a big fan and i know they've had a lot of really great teachers come through and you and you taught there not too long ago right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. nice yeah mm -hmm. it's a beautiful space It's amazing. It's really beautifully designed. I think Thomas is also a photographer, so he has a good eye for design and for how things need to be set that it looks interesting and intriguing. And I think he did a really good job with that studio. Mm -hmm. Is it only recently that you kind of started teaching in like the movement space, like the, the more generalist movement space? And prior to that, were you teaching more like dancers and acrobats? professional mm -hmm. ones um yes that's correct um yeah i think it's now like one year ago that uh i, I got in contact well, movement bielefeld i think was the first um well actually no that's already two years ago but um 
yeah, the, the like Crazy Monkey and then Movement Lisboa. This only was uh, this summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a uh, great. It's a, a really good community, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a whole different kind of space to navigate, right? When you're when you're working with like um, I don't know, almost like general population versus like uh, professional performers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I learned a lot through that also too, because of dancers um, or let's say professional dancers the teaching is quite different because you um they know already a lot of things you know they have a a strong base let's say in floor work in ballet and so on and um and then for example acrobatic elements also they learn quite quick because they have already the the floor work skills you know which um carry over very well to acrobatics um so it's much less detailed the teaching to to dancers i would say because in a way they pick it up really fast i mean that's professional movers in a way not the, they they do this since they chi- uh, children um they work seven hours a week so they're really used to picking up new materials and new informations they have very uh, trained bodies so of course it's different than if you teach somebody who's let's maybe a computer engineer but then also does movement you know after work and yeah doesn't have that much time to to work on that so yeah, it's a, it's a big difference. Yeah. But it must be a really kind of like, um, I don't know, like an unexpected space to, to, to suddenly open up. Right. For mm-hmm. You? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. No, definitely. Yeah. I was really happy about that. And, but I think it was more the other way around that I first discovered the movement culture. Mm-hmm. And because I got interested in that, I got maybe more um, into the network and I met people who practice movement and, because of that, maybe also then people from the movement culture got um, interested in my work, you know. But I think it was first me getting uh, to know about movement. Actually, um, because of Conor McGregor, the UFC fighter, because mm-hmm. he's training with Ido Portal, and um, I saw some training footage. Doing, and he was doing the lizard crawl, for example, and we do something very similar in uh, contemporary dance, like this animal crawls i mean they're also present in contemporary techniques so i was like oh this is dance you know this is so similar what i do but he's a fighter like how how can that happen um and then i uh, found out that he's working with ido and then i yeah i got interested in in that uh and it was very beneficial for me also for my practice to um yeah to get some new input not only dance mm-hmm. Like what, like what, when, when you say new input, what were, like, what were some of the, the things you started mm-hmm. being drawn to? Yeah. I mean, because I never studied with Ido, I'm, I don't know exactly his philosophy. Right. But, um, I of course get uh, certain exercises. So for example, the CC squat and the diagonal stretch, they, um, really opened up for me new ways of doing acrobatic elements. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, front walkovers. I wasn't able to do before or back walkovers, um, even though I do contemporary dance for a long time and capoeira as well. I was never able to um, land um, with the pelvis so much up after flips. You know, for example, if I would flip, I always would land uh, very low to the ground with my pelvis, sort of um, always relaxing into the floor, releasing into the floor, instead of using my legs to support myself more and, and keeping my body up. Right. So, um, and that's of course very great because then you can do many more variations of movements. And um, 
yeah, for me, it really was that simple. Just practice this squat, diagonal stretch. Um, and then the front walkover came very easy. And then I really found out um, about a lot more acrobatic elements. And um, yeah, they and they are also the, the things which people often like about my, let's say, videos or about my dance style in general. Um, so yeah, that was very, very great for me to, to get it in my pocket, you know. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's like a nice like two-way conversation then. Um, it is, yes, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I know that uh, in movement, it's not about the exercises, you know, it's about the philosophy. But to be honest, I think the way we think about contemporary dance is maybe quite similar to um, how, how you think uh, in the movement culture about like that things um, translate into other skills, you know. So, for example, if you do floor work, that you then get also better in acrobatics and um, the sense of like training the body in very different um, disciplines, let's say. We also do that in contemporary. So I was a little bit used to this already. So. That was not like a new thing for me. Mm -hmm. um, but whereas people who come from the fitness, let's say, for them, I think it's very new. You know? the, the idea of movement that you can move in many different ways and that it's not only about muscles and the weight. But um, yeah, so this, this really didn't change me that much. But it was more like small exercises and ways of training, which really helped me to develop my practice. I find contemporary dance so interesting at this point because I think it's such like a, um, I don't know, like a rich creative exploration, right? And I think creativity to me is like a, I don't know, like a core principle for being able to like move through life in like a playful way, you know, like mm -hmm. to, to dance with life. Mm -hmm. I'm only learning now like more and more about kind of like the progression of like contemporary dance and like what, you know, how it, from my understanding, it was like mm -hmm. for a long time, it was really based on like forms and methodologies and techniques. And, and now it's just kind of like almost like anything goes and it's, it's, yes. it's more like styles than methodologies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, and, it's and, true. And so much of it is this like explorations, like, you know, with, with deeply creative tools, like imagination and, and playfulness to, to research. Mm-hmm. Yes, no, definitely. Yeah, I think before, um, I mean, modern dance came from um, ballet, you know, and Graham Cunningham and Limon developed um, modern dance. But modern is not modern anymore now, but now it's a contemporary. And um, so people often mix those two terms, I think. They say modern, but actually they mean contemporary. Like modern is uh, actually quite old technique now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, Limon, Cunningham and Graham. And I think the, the beginning of um, contemporary was also the introduction of release techniques. So works uh, from Steve Paxton, for example. I don't know if you're familiar with Steve Paxton. Very little. Okay. Yeah, he's the founder of contact improvisation. And um, he worked a lot on mechanics of the spine. Um, he actually also has an online course for that. Um, I'm not sure if it's still up, but it's, um, yeah, quite, uh, it's not so expensive. Um, so if people are interested... It's really um, worth looking at it because from my understanding, he's the first person who started um, all those um, spirals on the floor, all those mechanics with the spine rolling on the floor. And um, yeah, it's a, 
And I think this really what made then uh, develop the flow work in contemporary, which is like a big part of the technique. Um, so I think, yeah, Steve Paxton doesn't get so much credit, I think, but he should because he did really uh, amazing work. And um, also contact improvisation, I think, is very beneficial for for people and there's often this um, distancing from it and uh, and people think it's like only for hippies, you know, like them. And, uh, but yeah, I don't know if you, if you find people where you can be open with and you can practice contact improvisation, I think it's, it's good because you, um, you really understand a lot of new things about the body. And um, I had um, Alicia Grayson on the podcast. Do you know Alicia mm -hmm. Grayson? Mm she's been teaching contact for like 30 years. Like I think she's like one of like the early adopters and I met her in Boulder and she was coming and doing my like infinite play jams that I was doing there. And I had no idea who she was at the time. And then we got to chatting and we did some, you know, things and I felt the way she moved with me. And I was like, Oh, like, you know, what, what do you do? And she started mm -hmm. explaining and she gave me a lesson in contact improv. And the only way that I can kind of explain what that experience was like was it reminded me of rolling with like a jujitsu black belt because mm. jujitsu and, and contact are very, very similar from like my experiences, mm -hmm. you know, it's just mm -hmm. kind of like the type of communication is, is different. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, but so many of like the, I don't know, the similar ideas of like working with a person and, mm -hmm. you know, she's, you know, older than me and much smaller than me, but she, the way she could move with me and move me was beautiful and amazing. And, and she also had some of her thoughts on like, yeah, like you said, like, you know, it can get slippery and people have these other kind of like uh, contact scenes that are more mm -hmm. of like the hugging and groping and stuff. And yes. this was more of this, like, no, no, no. It's like this, this dance and this really kind of, I don't know, athletic performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Oh, that's nice to hear that you had this great experience. Yeah, I started dancing with contact improvisation. So for me, it had a big impact on my um, on my practice. And I think that the great thing for me was that, um, I mean, for example, in contemporary or also movement, you have this movement concepts of like focusing on the spine or focusing on push and pull or um, reaching shift of weight. You know what I mean? Like all those um, movement concepts. And then in contact, um, you can work those, but with a partner. And by that, you get a much faster and more direct feedback of how you apply those concepts. Um, and it's also much more fun. And I think uh, personally, and the contact jam is like almost, um, how to say, overstimulating. No, uh, for example, I, fi um, I follow Fighting Monkey, um, Joseph Rutzek. And he's all often talking about this overstimulation of the mind and body. And um, then the way he's introducing tasks is uh, quite rapid and the room is full of people and you need to, uh, I don't know, let's say, um, communicate with your partner, but also look around for all the other people in the room working on a certain um, task or concept. And the contact info jam is basically that also, you know, like you're dancing with many people in the same room and um, even exchanging partners fluently. Um, shifting weight, lifting people, and um, your senses need to be everywhere. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's really not like so hippie-ish, but it's like, yeah, it's really difficult to do it good, you know? And um, 
and uh, then also the playfulness becomes a very big part and because when you play then you're much more open and somehow you have more energy and yeah i don't know for me contact has a lot of great aspects uh yeah and unfortunately now i cannot share that really in workshops because uh, of the covid restrictions yeah, contact improv and jujitsu are like the first things that go away with COVID. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's like anything that's like a aggressive hugging is like the, the first no-no. Mm, yeah, it's really a pity. Yes. But I'm with you. I mean, jujitsu is so similar in that way where it's like, you know, you're in a room full of people and everybody's rolling and you have people just like inches away from you. And it's like, you're so tuned into what's happening with you and your partner. And you have to be aware of like the space around you. I'm fascinated by really anything that like asks more of our senses to come alive, mm -hmm. right? Like we have these such like complex nervous systems and I always feel like, I don't know, they're, I, I keep saying they're malnourished because I don't have another way of kind of articulating it, but it's like, we have this way of like communicating with ourselves, communicating with other people and communicating with the environments. And that's why we have this nervous system. And it's like, we're always in like the most sanitized kind of mm -hmm. bubbly spaces and like, yeah, complex interactions with people are so valuable for like feeding that, like being outside and like anything that asks like as many of our senses as possible to come alive, like has the potential to feed us. It's just, um, but we can't always articulate what, what mm -hmm. we're being fed. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautifully said. Yeah. Nice. So I, I, di I dig that. Um, I don't know that, you, that, that you're in the contact and find the, that it, it's an important quality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I just want to say like that it's um, because, as I said, people have this notion that it's like about cuddling a lot and meeting people and stuff. But for me, it's really about the technique. And um, yeah, it really uh, uh, helped me a lot. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, both. I had Alicia Grayson on the podcast and I had Matan Lefkovich. Do you know him? Mm -hmm. Yes, I studied. Yes, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, and I know he, he teaches contact and both of them are, and I know Alicia know or knew of Matan and I don't know, watching both of them perform and watching them dance and getting to dance with her. It's like, it it's so dynamic and so alive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. But what were you, yeah. you studied with Matan? Um, I didn't study with him, but I was in a seat in Salzburg in the um, uh, dance school there and he just graduated and then um, we learned one piece and uh, one choreography and he was teaching us this choreography as a, I don't know, a rehearsal director. So yes, I, I was working with him. He's a really nice person. Yeah. I'm a, I'm yeah. a, a very big fan of, uh, of Matans. I've mm -hmm. never met him in person, but when we had our conversation, I was like, love this guy. Nice. He also has a podcast, I think. No. Yeah, he does. Mm. Uh -huh. He yes. also has a very good microphone setup. <laughs> 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 very important but is yeah. he then okay yeah mm -hmm. um he, you so you studied at seed mm -hmm. yes i'm only growing more familiar with these things again like my 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 knowledge was so much more in like bits of theater uh movement and jujitsu and now recently getting to kind of get to spend more time with dancers and i got to you know be with tom in barcelona tom and Rosaire. Mm -hmm. And they, after we did the event in Barcelona, they went to, to seed to go mm -hmm. do like a residency there and getting a little bit of knowledge about what that's all about. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's like a very esteemed dance school in Salzburg. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a very good one for contemporary. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think the main schools in Europe for contemporary are Parts in Brussels and then mm-hmm. Seat in Salzburg. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's uh, for me, it was really a great experience to be there for one year because the previous education I had, which was in Arnhem, was much more uh, classical and modern. And um, I didn't really flourish in that school. Like it was good to learn the basics of dance for me uh, in, in, in Holland, in Artes, um, like ballet. But um, I didn't fit the profile of the school. So I never really had the feeling that I was like um, finding myself in a way, you know, in the material, in the, in the things the school proposed. So um, that's why I decided to go to seat for one year. And um, that was the perfect place for me to really flourish to fall in love again with the things I like to do and yeah I mean there were just amazing teachers um, also coming there and what they do also is they take teachers from the current working field instead of having like set faculty teachers so the teachers are always circulating and like this the school stays very up to date I would say and mm. um, yeah uh, fighting monkey are teaching there also regularly i think um yeah yeah i saw that and then like i said yeah it was interesting that they were bringing tom and rosaire in the, mm. to do like five weeks so yeah that's a makes me think about my time in theater school and at least when i was there it was like you had this set faculty who was there and they were always there mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i even met someone who randomly showed up at uh, my space in Brooklyn when we were there and he had actually just gone to the same theater school that I went to, but, you know, like almost 17 years later and some of the same teachers were still there. And I was like, well, that's interesting. But now that you point, make this interesting point about like bringing in people who are working in the field now, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that that's important and it, you know, it doesn't get stale and, and it's moving with the times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I saw that fighting monkey was there. That looks interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so when I was there, they were actually making a piece, mm-hmm. and um, there's like a interesting story because I was in the body project, which means I was in the company of the school, and um, that means that I would work um, in three different choreographies, you know, and then we take those choreographies and we tour them in Europe. Um, so we had uh, Fatting Monkey, uh, then we had Robert Clark and Anton Laschke. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of like set that we will do the pieces, but next to us, they will also take, they will also take other students to make the cast bigger because we were only three uh, people in the, in the body project. So they wanted to make bigger choreography. So they choose always also students from the fourth year. Um, so they had auditions, but they told us that we will be in for sure. So um, then we had the audition with uh, Joseph and, I was, I think, the partying the night before, so I was really <laughs> tired. And but I felt like it's no, it's no problem. Um, I'm anyway in the piece. Uh, I don't really need to engage. You know, I don't need to show my skills. Um, so we were doing the um, the the audition, and there was a certain exercise based on rhythm and coordination. And um, I'm more of a let's say um, acrobatic, flow work, flowy person. You know, like who um, is maybe very soft and strong in the body, but not necessarily very well coordinated um, in terms of music and, um, and coordinations. Um, so we had to do this task and I, yeah, I, I didn't really try. 
And then he said, okay, Kinan, uh, try again. So I had to do it again. I was like, why I have to do it again? I'm anyway inside the piece. Um, but I did it again and I didn't do it uh, quite good. And then after the audition, the director tells me that, unfortunately, I'm not in the piece. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah the other choreographers they were not doing this but uh joseph said that yeah i don't have the requirements to um be part of the piece and um so i have to now watch watch it and um yeah that was i don't know i, I really was not happy about it but it was in, in a way my own fault and that i sort of was relying on the rules of the school you know that i'm anyway in the piece because i'm in the the company but um but I like this approach of Joseph, like, no, you only can be in the piece if you meet the requirements. And um, actually, then I was like participating in the rehearsals and practicing on the side. And in the end, he, he put me in the piece anyway, because he saw that I was learning all the, the materials and I was able to do the piece, actually. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, and then I was uh, grateful that I could perform. Um, but it was a good lesson for me to never take things for granted, you know, mm -hmm. to, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, yes. you, you always need to, you, you need to always keep working. And I mean, the group needs to be strong. And if there's somebody who is not really pushing himself because he thinks he has it already, like it just doesn't fit. And the level of the school is quite high. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And you were only there for one year. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it was it was it like a one year program? Is that what it was, or did you choose to just go in and out for one year? No, it's only one year program. It's like a, a company year, so it's basically like working as a company dancer, but in a school setting. Okay. So um, yeah, but you would tour a lot. You would work a lot uh, creatively and um, make choreographies and stuff. So. Okay, I yeah. remember. I remember when we. So you know. For anybody listening, I always think it's funny to say that, but I feel like I once in a while have to say it because uh, I would never normally say that in a normal conversation. But mm -hmm. I have to point out that you and I met in in Lisbon, and, and I didn't know that we were going to get to meet, but um, you arrived just before we left, and I was meeting up with Tiago, and you were going to be collaborating with Tiago for your workshop, and he said, "Oh, well, we should all get together and get some coffee." And then Tiago had to go back to work, and you and I got to hang out and chat for a little bit, and. All of that to say, when we were chatting, you pointed out that you actually started dancing relatively late compared to mm -hmm. a lot of other people. And I'm curious about that, you know, like, um, what was it that kind of led you to take some time? What were you doing with that time when other people were getting started very young? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And then also, I guess after that, I'm curious about like, you know, were you already doing things like acrobatics as a kid in your own way or playfully or something mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yeah maybe i start with um, my background so i did judo as a child mm -hmm. and um and i think judo is like jujitsu also a really great way to learn about shifting the weight right mm -hmm. because it's always about in judo um to yeah play with the weight of your partner and surprise your partner and um, shift often in throws you, you want to shift your center under the center of um, your opponent because then you can throw him or her right and in dance that's um, that we also have that so um, so I did judo and then when I got to know about dance 
I felt immediately at home because I did uh, judo and it has the same principles of moving, you know. So um, in this way, the, um, the judo really helped me to fall in love with dance. And uh, the same thing is with capoeira. I also did capoeira. And um, yeah, there's just so many similarities between acrobatics and uh, capoeira, the way um, momentum is used um, to create uh, kinetic energy. And um, yeah, so I did judo and capoeira as a teenager. And um, then I actually, after school, I really wasn't sure what I should do. So I just started back tra um, traveling with my backpack, like hitchhiking. And um, That's how I sort of like, let's say, um, I mean, I wanted to find out what I wanted to do and like what I can do and what is there because I really was not happy in the hometown where I was raised and where I grew up. So it was sort of like a breakout, you know, like, um, and um, yeah, but the good thing is that through this traveling, I got to know about dance and then dance gave me something to strive for and I found movement and dance and because of this now um, I, I then I, I knew like in which direction I want to go professionally and um, yeah but it was of two years of really not knowing what to do only traveling and exploring um, yeah but in the beginning I felt lost but then after a while I really enjoyed just the traveling just getting to know different cultures um, But uh, yeah, I could not do this anymore. Like I was sleeping uh, in tents or like just um, in fields with my backpack, you know, like not knowing where, where, where I will go next. Um, hitchhiking, often getting invited by random strangers to their homes and being with them. And yeah, I mean, it's great. I could not do it now anymore. But back then I really enjoyed to do that. Where, <clears throat> like where... I don't know where where did you go what were where, where were some of the places that you traveled to mm -hmm. so um i like one of the biggest travels was to turkey and i was hitchhiking from germany to um, turkey through Serbia, bulgaria and basically the whole balkan and um yeah because i'm actually half turkish so it was in a way um a search of my second route you know like i grew up in germany um But I wanted to also get to know Turkey and um, yeah, what it means to be half Turkish and the family side also, which I don't know there so well. So um, yeah, I was um, looking for my father. Um, so it was a really quite an intense period for me, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, it was good. It was good. And it's really um, like in a movie or dream or whatever, but that on this travel, I actually found what I, what I want to do in life and my passion. And um, yeah, I'm super happy with how it goes at the moment, you know, like, and it's very similar also the kind of freedom I have now as a teacher, dancer, choreographer to the freedom I had in the, those travels. Mm -hmm. Like I could never imagine to work, um, you know, a nine to five somewhere. Um, and yeah, I, I think I'm really not that person. Uh, I, that's also was the reason why I sort of escaped from my hometown and from from not choosing to study something right after school, because this is not the life I want to live. I knew this already back then. And yeah, I think I'm really lucky that it worked out. You know, like I think of some people, it just maybe doesn't, or like they maybe also never take the step 
um, to yeah take a risk and to not go the normal path, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm yeah I'm really lucky that it worked out for me. It's really interesting because I just read um, letters to a young poet. Have you ever read that? Mm. It's a really short book. The next time I see you, I'll bring it as a gift. Okay, uh, nice. It's it's very short. It's like it's ten letters that um, this young poet writes to this very famous poet, and it's just the letters that came in return, and kind of one. Of, there's a number of like ongoing themes that he's sharing with this younger poet but one of the themes is one of like patience Mm -hmm. right and just be patient you know like Mm -hmm. i think that and even then this is these must have been written in like the 1800s and there was early 1900s or something and it was you know already then there was this feeling of things needed to happen quickly Mm -hmm. and more so now today things it's like you know you know whatever your version of success is has to happen tomorrow or in 10 minutes or something and hearing your story is kind of like, because a lot of people come out of high school and it's like, or, you know, whatever the high school equivalent is and feel like life needs to begin a certain way immediately. And, and I don't know, it, to me, it's a little bit of like a, a story of patience, just being like, yeah, I'm, I can be patient mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, and let things unfold so that I can see what my direction should be next. Yes. Or also to allow yourself to not know what what's next, you know, to to not run away of this feeling of um, not knowing what comes next and what you want to do, and not try to somehow stuff this uh, this gap, you know, like just let it be there, like let the gap be there, and then things will unfold as you said. Mm-hmm. And what were some of like? I mean, you said that while you were on the. I'm going to call it a journey because that's what mm-hmm. it seems like to me. It's amazing um, that there were, there was something about it that like revealed to you that like dance was the direction you should, you should go, or at least go mm-hmm. next. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what were, what was that? If you even know what that was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was thinking to become a drummer at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, then I wanted to be a cameraman but for some reason, those really didn't uh, motivate me enough. And um, yeah, in when I was in Zebria hitchhiking, I took part of this contact improvisation workshop uh, in a festival. And um, this experience was just really so strong. And um, it really catched me right away. Like, okay, this is really what I want to do. Because the teacher also was talking to me and explained to me, like, yeah, there's contemporary dance and... Um, I don't know, because for me, like dance was more before I thought uh, dance would be like ballet, you know, and I know that for sure that's not what I want to do. So the teacher in a way opened up my eyes to to different ways of being a dancer and um, working with movement. Um, so, yeah, I think it was this first dance uh, improvisation class I had, which mm. really um, sparked the interest. And as I said, it was because of my backgrounds. Um, and that I felt immediately home in, in this dance class, mm-hmm. you know, um, also like the way you keep eye contact or like you keep your eyes on your um, dance partner is very similar to in Capoeira when you um, fight with the person, you move in space, you flip upside down, you go on the floor, but you always keep your eyes to your opponent, you know, um, and I find that concept interesting. I also still use it sometimes in my workshops too, as a task to uh, let people play around with that. 
so um that you need to use your different senses in your body like you you can only see your opponent but um you feel with the with your skin where is the floor and so on like you you use a periphery to see if there's other people around like um yeah but i think it was that that i feel felt immediately home in the in the dance so i mean it's i really think we should like work on the uh the movie for this as you said it is kind of a movie but it's um i don't know i was thinking about um the the book by jet uh kerouac on the road which is like mm -hmm. uh you know hitchhiking across the united states and things like that and it's funny i i, I thought about it recently when we were driving around somewhere maybe we saw a random hitchhiker and i was like there's no such thing as hitchhiking anymore mm -hmm. you know nowadays it's like it's 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 it's, it's like a a thing that doesn't exist maybe mm -hmm. there are a few out there but for the most part with iphones and all of these things it's like the hitchhiking doesn't happen and yeah i don't know maybe maybe there's something really sad about that because i think that there's there's discoveries that happen when you when I don't know when you can't plan so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I, yeah, it's 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 almost imaginable to to think how it was before before you had the iPhone or the phone. No, like, but I remember I really would just spend time like sitting around or being in nature and not looking on my phone. And time is uh, I I perceive time so differently. I think back then. Mm -hmm. especially when you travel the sense of time totally disappears because it really doesn't matter what time it is you know it maybe matters like if there's the sun or or not out but um yeah no appointments no i don't know instagram posts you need to make or i don't know it's just really really different yeah mm -hmm. i'm curious i mean i don't know after kind of like i don't know i feel like this is like a, a, a must be some I don't know it's a very strong mindset so i guess then how do you nowadays like you know having kind of lived a, a life of really you know not worrying about time and and these types of structures and and kind of being in a world with like the instagrams and, and things like that like i don't know do you navigate that or is you, i guess maybe is your life still very similar to kind of that way of being like it's like the you're not so caught up in those things and mm -hmm. they, they're just there when, when it, when it's time. No, I don't think so. I think I'm quite caught up in social media, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's, it's more like of a, um, a feeling of independence I have, which my job brings, you know, like as a, if, if you only teach workshops and you do online courses and then you have a project here and there, you really um, can decide what you want to do. Like you can cancel a certain workshop and go to Mexico or I don't know what, like, you, I can really mold my future in a way, mm -hmm. which, and this freedom is very similar to when I was traveling and hitchhiking because I also could go everywhere, you know, without really um, any restrictions or like appointments I had to keep or so on. But it's the life is still very different because I have a lot of responsibility now as well. And um, yeah, uh, I think I changed quite a lot, like looking back. Because when I was traveling, I wasn't working on something continuously, for example. I didn't have any discipline. Like, I think discipline I learned in the dance school um, for the first time. And um, I think now I'm, yeah, quite disciplined when I work, you know, when I get my things done. So um, 
yeah, it's it's really quite different. Also, you need to organize yourself much more. Like I'm working a lot, I think, but it's just somehow the underlying feeling of freedom is still there. I think, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, right now I'm doing sort of a, a social media break, or like I'm not posting anything, um, which also feels good. But then uh, I need to avoid looking on my feed because then I see all the other amazing movers and teachers and um, work really hard and I'm getting stressed that I, I also need to uh, keep going again. But um, yeah, this is difficult sometimes, I think. But um, yeah, you need, to, you need to learn how to use the um, social media, I think, the tool. You can easily get caught up in it and like, um, yeah, I don't know, lose your self-esteem as many people do. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's a delicate thing. I think, mm -hmm. um, I mean, the repercussions are already being witnessed, but I think long term, like, well, I think in, in our lifetime, we'll see pretty interesting repercussions. I don't know what they mm -hmm. what they will all be, but in, yeah, it's, yes. uh, it's changing everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, mean, I think there are studies that um, teenagers nowadays have much higher depression rate than, um, you know, when I was a teenager. And that's, there's a, a strong correlation between smartphone use and um, depression in teenagers. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's really sad. Mm. I'm, I'm curious, um, as you continue to, like, kind of evolve, right? So, like, for a, a long time, it was, like, primarily, like, dance and professional dance and then teaching and then teaching dancers and then teaching now... I don't know, getting to be with like people who are, I don't know, generalist hobbyists, just people who are interested. Mm -hmm. um, what, uh, what, what is it that you, you find yourself wanting to, to share? I, I, I don't, I mean, almost broadly, you know, cause mm -hmm. I, you know, you have, I don't know, such like kind of fascinating like story and background. And I, I, I find that teachers that I think I, I really enjoy spending time with mm -hmm. have like really wonderful content, right? The content mm -hmm, of their mm -hmm. classes or workshops. But when I kind of like sit with it a little bit, they also have like a really nice message or purpose behind the thing that they're sharing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And not to say that you have to, but I'm curious just because I don't know, you have this fascinating story. If there's something where you're like, oh, well, I, this is really what I like to share. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think that movement and dance did so much for me and that's why I want to help other people, um, also get something out of it, you know, and like one of the biggest aspects for me is that when I um, move and dance that I, I'm not in my mind anymore. Like I don't think anymore and I can forget of on all the different, um, stresses I have in my life. Um, and that's a big one because, yeah, I think I'm, I'm thinking a lot all the time. You know, I'm a big uh, daydreamer. Um, and, and that went away when I started dancing or like it went away while I was dancing. So that's why I also love it so much. And that's why I want to spend as many hours as possible um, in the studio or in the park or wherever. Um, because, yeah, it uh, alleviates me from, from the thoughts, you know, from, from thoughts which are not positive. Mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, to give this possibility to other people as well. I think that's a, the big one, a big one. Mm. And also when you 
engage with movement and dance, you not really think about material possessions. You know, you only work with your body and um, you're not uh, thinking about the next car or the, the big house or whatever it is. You know, so I think also just the fact that you are working with your body um, is already a political statement in a way because mm. it doesn't require, I mean, it requires money if, if you want to take workshops and so on. But um, for your own practice or with friends, you know, you, you don't need any money. And I think this is, um, yeah, it's, it's a good thing to do, you know, to, to make uh, people move and so that they don't think about, I don't know, as I said, working a lot or like sitting in front of the TV. Um, so generally speaking, I think it's just a good thing to keep, uh, to make people move. Um, Yes. And then you also were asking about the, the content, no? Like mm -hmm. what I want, what, what I like to do in the workshops. Um, so I, my workshops are called flow acrobatics and um, the aim is to create more flow and movement, uh, flow and freedom and movement. And by freedom, I mean that you have many possibilities the way where and how you move. So that you can move on the floor, lying down um, or jumping in the air or standing, turning, so um, like in ballet, you only have like one level where you work, which is in the standing level, right? But I'm trying to, to open up possibilities to move in um, different levels, different ways. And by flow, I mean a certain movement quality. So not the state of flow, which I think is also, of course, part um, of what I do. But the st uh, state of flow is, happens in everything. Also, if you uh, clean your house or... I don't know if you go skiing, like you, whatever you do, you always can enter the flow state. No, and many people mistake then flow acrobatics of only the flow state, but it's not about that for me, you know, um, because it's you, you can get into flow state in many different ways. I would never say that what I do is the only or the best way. Um, so it's about a certain movement quality. So softness, continuous movement. Um, yeah. And it also can be staccato. So you can move in a staccato way, but you still can have a flow. And in, in hip hop, for example, they say this a lot, like this dancer has a good flow, um, which doesn't mean that this dancer is um, only moving continuously. You know what I mean? It's about a certain presence and the way he's connecting the movements. And um, yeah, this is also what I'm trying to uh, convey in a way. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know, when you talk about like, uh, I don't know, as you were talking about your content, I was thinking about, you know, when you were saying that it's like a, like a bit of a political statement that like, you don't need the material possessions, mm -hmm. right? And as you were kind of describing what you're, what you, what you're sharing, it's like, you know, it's kind of the expression of like, like the complexity of like the, the human creature. And, mm -hmm. and how much kind of like magic can come out of it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, you know, so like any material possession that's kind of man-made is like a, a complicated item at best. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what you're describing for anybody at any level is a, is a complex state and a complex system and a complex moment, mm -hmm. which is you know, you, we can't get that from the material possession. There's not many material possessions that really make that jump from complicated to complex, mm -hmm. you know, complicated is, is simple, but
but complicated and complex yeah. is, is all the things. I mean, you know, you, 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 we've gone through like complex movements and like the, the sensory experiences. I mean, there's like, there's yeah. no car, there's no car we could buy that would capture even just those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. And also somehow um, you can say this about uh, let's say the fitness um How do you say what's Geräte in German? The mm-hmm. um, machines, the fitness machines, they're also mm-hmm. very complicated now and but simple, but they re- don't really train the body. Like it's much better to um, get complex without the, the machines, mm-hmm. with uh, the movement practice, let's say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's like, uh, and everybody has that potential. It's like, um, I don't know. I, I, when I was talking, I think it was to like Rosaire, she was talking about something about how they were talking about some festival and it was somehow there was a lot more of using like the label of movement or something. And I feel like she said something like, it's just really nice because it, you know, they're not using the word dance. And that means like dance can be given back to the people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because often I think there's this feeling that by people that they can't dance unless they're professional dancers mm-hmm. when like uh, everybody can yes yeah yeah it's interesting also the term dance and movement and how it's used nowadays mm-hmm. um so for example i remember when i was um, a dance student and i came to artes the ballet te- the ballet teacher marta there um, she told me that i'm a great mover but i'm not a dancer yet mm-hmm. so <laughs> i need to <laughs> i i uh, so yeah i um i should like learn to become a dancer because that's better because um then i also have an understanding of musicality and performativity and um already back then i was like mm, yeah but mover also sounds quite good you know like I, i like the idea of like just being a good mover even though I wasn't really aware of the whole movement culture thing. And it was also, I think, before that even. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just found it interesting the way she used the term mover as something lesser than a dancer or like, you know, not lesser, but yeah. In terms of what the school wants to uh, teach, it's it's sort of like lesser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes And uh, yeah. I don't know. As I think about it, there's like something about like... Um... I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I mean this like broadly speaking, but I think sometimes with like move or mover or movement is it's almost like it's like some movements and with dancing, there's like this quality of like, I don't know, being able to, to communicate quite broadly would communicate in a lot of different scenarios with a lot of different people and a lot of different environments Mm -hmm. right yes it's a a little more i don't know maybe there's a little bit more of like um an adaptive quality that i associate with with dancing yeah yeah i think i associate um dance with performing somehow more like Mm -hmm. being on stage um and uh yeah i don't know i mean person i i like the term movement more uh, than dance because with dance Mm, it's somehow more closed, you know, like, I don't know. I, I rather say I'm a mover than um, I'm a dancer because mover is just more open in terms. Mm-hmm. So I can, yeah, I can be in many different ways. 
And the dancer for me is very, I don't know, a dancer is somebody who's going on stage to do something, mm. you know, but I don't, I don't only want to go on stage. Like I also want to perform in the park or like in my home, uh, in my room. Um, so I don't, I'm trying to not make a big separation between practice and performing. And um, for example, in dance, you also say dance like nobody's watching, mm-hmm. but then somehow implies that dance is usually something where people watch, but I, I don't want to see that like this, my, that I'm, yeah, I want to um, move or dance. Uh, if people watch me or not, like this shouldn't be a, um, a factor, you know, like I, I don't know. I just want to, yeah, to not do it always for other people, but also for myself and yeah does it make sense or is it uh a... yeah it makes a lot of sense i realize that we're um i think that we actually end up speak we're actually almost saying the exact same thing and it's just very funny because i've spent so much time in the movement space that i like the idea of like the term dance because it implies kind of like dancing with life mm-hmm. and and i think you spent so much time in the dance space whereas you said it's like it's a performance and that it, when you're dancing it's because somebody is like watching you and or paid to see you or it's like it's yeah. being done with some sort of judgment around it so movement is actually the way of just being like oh just moving with life yes so in some ways it's like it's like we're we're like oh i i want the same thing but like the the because of the worlds we come from the 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 terms mean something different mm-hmm. yes yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah no, this is true. It really, yeah, of course, your background matters and the way you understand the world and the words of another person. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, it's, it's funny to think about. Mm-hmm. So do you do any judo anymore? Or do you, is it a place, is it a place you go and, and explore mm-hmm. anymore? No, 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 not anymore. I did jujitsu uh, for a while, um, also while I was dancing, but I always got injured, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. um, I... Uh, not not big injuries but like small ones which hindered me um to perform the next day or you know train properly the next day so i don't know i think it's my ego maybe also because when i roll i i maybe have a lot of um how we say motivation to win or you know like i'm I'm quite competitive and uh, but that's not good as a beginner because other people will most likely be stronger or um yeah and then i always got injured a little bit because the energies were just too too strong i think yeah. or i don't know is it normal to always feel a lot of pain after the the jujitsu class or how <laughs> do you and the next day also i mean yeah i mean it's not about muscle pain like this i'm totally used to but it was like my tibia was hurting for example um or the, the muscles around it so then the next week i i couldn't really balance on the leg properly you know and that's a and that's a problem when you when you have to perform um but I love to play. I, I love this. Um, yeah, it's like like children somehow. Or like it reminds me on when I was a child and just fighting with my friends. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's beautiful. Also, the I follow many fighters or um, jiu-jitsu people on social media. Like I like the whole uh, world, let's say, but I cannot participate by myself, unfortunately. Well, it's, I mean, it's, a, you know, in your case, it's like a it's a risk you can't take. It's like a, the whole business depends on you being able to mm-hmm. like do the things you do physically, which I guess yeah. is different than the risks that I have a little bit of the freedom to take. Yes. Although there is many dancers who do uh, jujitsu. No, I think um, Luke Jessup, I don't know if you know him, he's doing MBJJ. Mm-hmm. I think Tom Wexler also. Um, 
you know what I mean? Like there is people who can obviously do it. It's just for me, somehow it didn't work and um, I don't want to risk it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when, when you have like contracts and, and, you know, choreographers waiting for you, the last thing you mm. can say is like, Oh, I, sorry, I broke my wrist. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I should talk to, to the, to the people who, who do it actually, maybe they have some tips on how to yeah. approach that. But I also think that every body is different. Um, you know, that some bodies are maybe more strong and protected that the others are more mobile and, um, I don't know. So yeah, maybe it works for them, but it maybe it doesn't work for me, but I definitely should talk to some of those. Yeah. I mean, you should, you should reach out to Tom. I'd say, I mean, that's where he and I first met, you know, I didn't, I didn't know who he was and we just suddenly were partnered up at a jujitsu school in New York and got mm -hmm. to chatting. Um, but I don't think he's done it for a little while, maybe because he had some, some like a wrist surgery or, or mm -hmm. something. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I have injuries from jujitsu that I've, I think I've felt now for the last three years. So I mean, they, mm -hmm. they can, they can linger. Yes, no, definitely. But I think if you have a dance background, you most probably will do very well in jujitsu. Because as you said, like the, the similarities between contact improvisation and jujitsu um, is quite strong. So, um, yeah. Well, especially, and, and with a judo background, I mean, mm -hmm. judo is basically jujitsu's like sibling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the, the teachers told me I, I would be good and stuff. So, uh, but yeah. Well, I think what we should That's... do is that the next time I see you, we'll, we'll roll and we'll roll we'll roll light. We'll, 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 we'll do it in the way that we, neither of us need to be worried about someone getting injured. Oh yeah. I would love to do that. That would be great. Yeah. I think um, <laughs> it would be really fun, but I think you're right. I think it's, um, it's really, it's really a, a magical thing. Again, it's like, it's in some ways it's about learning how to be collaborative in like a non-collaborative activity. It's like the more I'm willing to like cooperate with what like my partner is offering me, Mm -hmm. the the more successful I might be in the situation. But like, if I don't want to cooperate with like, kind of like the questions they're posing me, then I'm just kind of hitting a wall. It's like, yes. it's this funny thing where it's like, even though it's combative, it's, it might really be this act of cooperation. Same with judo. Mm -hmm. It's like, you want to cooperate with what your partner's doing, not necessarily like force yes. anything. Oh, exactly. You need to uh, react like, if there is an opening, then you can take it. You know, when the, your partner is shifting the weight in a certain way, you can abuse that and shift the weight maybe even more to the right, let's say, and then the person is falling to the right. Mm -hmm. And I think in jujitsu is the same, no? Like, um, yeah. Also, somebody told me it's like chess, mm -hmm. but uh, with the body and with uh, higher consequences. <laughs> you know, that you, of course, if you lose a chess match, you're not injured, but if you lose a, a BJJ match, you're most likely injured maybe <laughs> um, but the, the idea of like thinking ahead like uh, okay he's doing this step what can I do then to avoid it and um, lure him into a trap so that then I can take advantage of this you know like uh, I play chess at the moment like uh, it's my new hobby let's say and um, yeah I, I like it a lot and I heard people say it's very similar to um, BJJ in a way yeah, I've heard people say that as well. What drew you into chess? What was that? What what was kind of like the catalyst for that? 
I played as a child already, and and then I watched the series. Um, oh my god, Queen's Gambit, I think it's called. Yeah, it's a Netflix series, and uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. It, it looked so much fun, and I I, uh, I gave it a go. And um, yeah, it's nice. It's a nice thing to do with your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, play chess and um, yeah, use your. I mean, I I remember a lot of movements, and I think in movements. But um, yeah, chess is just another way to to work with the mind and to I don't know remember patterns and trying to think ahead. Like it's it's really fun, I mm-hmm. think. I got, I played for a little while. I had like a membership on chess.com and I would jump mm. on and play for a little bit. But I uh, yeah, I realized to me it was just more just like too much time in front of the computer, like playing mm-hmm. on my phone. I was like, oh, I think. I think I could do this if I had like a small group of people that I could really play with and mm-hmm. and learn with um, because I, I was just too tired of just like moving pieces on the computer. It was like, mm-hmm. it was too much for me. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I totally get that. And um, I also play on the computer, but I only can do this now because I don't have to work so much. But yeah, it would be a pity if you spent like three hours a day on working uh, your chess skills instead of like working on your business or like your movement skills. No, like, yeah, you need to know how far you can go. And yeah, that's also the problem because I like to do things like 100%. So if I don't have the time to play a lot of chess, most probably I will stop also in the near future. Because when you, yeah, when you just play, sometimes you don't really get better. And um, yeah, it's not that fun, I guess. You know, let's we see. Do? We should, we should, when we, when we're together, we'll do jujitsu and chess at the same time. So we'll do like a five minute round of jujitsu followed by like five minutes of our chess game and just bounce between the two. Okay. That's, that sounds great. But for how long did you play chess? Like which rating did you have on chess.com? Do you remember? I don't know. It was, it was close to the lowest. I definitely didn't play long enough to, to move very high. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What about, <laughs> what about you? No, I'm. Uh, I mean, I'm playing since two weeks, and I'm now at a thousand. But I don't know if this is high or not. I, it's still uh, considered beginner for sure. I mean, I'm hundred percent a beginner, but mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, not bad, I guess. Did you have you read um, the Art of Learning by Might Josh Waitzkin? Mm-hmm. I heard of the book, but I don't think I read it. Um, so Josh Waitzkin is there's the the chess movie Searching for Bobby Fischer, mm-hmm. and it's that movie is based on him. His dad like wrote the book Searching for Bobby Fischer, and it's about Josh Waitzkin, and he was like this seven or eight year old or something like chess prodigy. And awesome. So it's about Josh Waitzkin went on to become like a Tai Chi push hands world champion and a black belt in jujitsu. And it's kind of his kind of idea about like how to go about learning. Mm-hmm. Um, but he started as like a, as a young chess master. So he tells a lot of the story about learning chess as a kid. So I don't know, as you get in near, as in, in your, I don't know, chess journey, your chess hitchhiking here, <laughs> it might, it might be a, an, an interesting read. It's, it's, it's not anything crazy, but um, it, it's, it's fascinating. Some of his ideas about kind of like a approaching learning. Mm-hmm. oh that sounds really interesting and uh, yeah i will give it a go for sure because i heard also the the book name um mm-hmm. before but i didn't re- i read the art of war mm-hmm. but uh yeah that's something else yeah that's definitely something yeah. else 
<laughs> um, but yeah, I, th- I think you, I think you would dig it. And he's a really fascinating guy. Like I said, um, he got his black belt, uh, from Marcelo Garcia, where I was training jujitsu. Mm. And I think he was one of the investors in the gym. But when I started going there, he had already moved on to the next thing that he was going to go art of learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so nice. I, I never, I never saw him there, but, um, yeah, but that's really I, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. And yeah, to, to, yeah, you read it. You, you let me know what you think. Yes, I will. Um, if people, I guess I'm curious, what, a what, what, what are the things that people can look out for that they can, you know, if they want to learn from you in person or online, what are, mm-hmm. what are some of the opportunities? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I have online, I have, um, online courses. And then I also have an online coaching mm-hmm. program and both um, are focusing on flow acrobatics. And um, yeah, so you can find that on the website uh, called flowacrobatics.com. And uh, there you also find the workshops, which I do in person. At the moment, uh, there's no workshops on the website, but there will be soon because um, I will, I'm talking at the moment with uh, quite some people for the next year. Um, and then there will be a yeah an update list of the workshop tour for 2022. Um, and then also Instagram is also a good uh, source, I think, because I post a lot of free things there. So I mean, basically just movement sequences or like things I I, I work on at the moment, and then people can have a look there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the online coaching is like direct with you. Yes. Yes, exactly. So um, that's um, a program which takes um, between three and six months. So um, you can decide like for how long you want to do it. And um, I will coach you in terms of learning flow acrobatics. And I have like, of course, quite a lot of uh, tutorials and videos because I did those two courses. And uh, next to that, I also have another um, library of videos which are not that highly produced but um yeah they were for um other online student coaching um people i mean people who worked with me in the online coaching um so yeah and and from all those um videos i built a trainings routine um for the practitioner and this trainings routine uh, should be done like three times a week at least and every week um you would send me then your results like you would film your practice and then send me this and I will look at it, analyze it, give you feedback, and then adjust the trainings plan um, to yeah according to what comes next and what you would would benefit you the most uh, in the coming week. And um, yeah, I really enjoy this a lot. It's a, it's really a great way of interacting with people, which um, I did only because of COVID actually. But now I keep on doing it, even though things are open again. Um, yeah, because people enjoy it, I enjoy it, and. Um, it's a it's a great uh, way to to communicate and to share. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm. And are are most of the people who you who are reaching out to you for online coaching or online support are they like like um, more like generalist type people or you or, or or professional dancers? It's quite a mix. Um, I would say almost fifty fifty. There's wow. um, quite some contemporary dancers um, with high level. Um, which is cool because I also I'm able to do the high level uh, acrobatic skills. So I think that's why they reach out to me because um, 
yeah, they, they see, they get inspired by this, no? And then they think they, they still can learn. And, uh, and then also more generalists and um, yeah, yoga, people from yoga background, acrobats, um, everything. Yeah, really. Like, uh, it's, it's really broad now. Like I'm really happy about this, this big community or like the, the melting of different communities. The, yeah, it's all becoming one and somehow interacting with each other. I love it. I hope that in uh, 2022, somehow we're like Portugal, we move through the same place at the same time, but that uh, mm -hmm. we're not running in while the other one's running out. So I can, uh, so I can take your workshop. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. I'm, uh, yes. I'm, I'm very interested. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to do it. Nice.